welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and joining me today is Lillian C., the woman behind the delicious food blog Beyond Umami. Welcome. Hi. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Make Something Edmonton, and later on in the show, you'll hear from an Edmonton maker whose creations could make someone on your Christmas list very happy this year. All right, back to you, Lillian. So how do you describe what Beyond Umami is about? I would say that Beyond Umami is a blog about macarons mainly. It kind of started off more as food that I wanted to share with my friends and my family, recipes. And over time, it kind of evolved into my love of trying to create macarons and make this perfect creation. And now it's just macarons, recipes, and different food that I want to share with my friends and family. What is it about macarons? That's like a hard thing to make, right? It is. Actually, you know what? I just brought you some macarons today, actually. (laughs) Oh, wow. They are so beautiful. They are colorful and, oh, they look so delicious. I can't even begin to tell you how happy I am about this. Yeah. So there's three different flavors here that I brought you. Um, This one's Earl Grey, the bluish Tiffany blue one. Um, this one over here is the pumpkin spice macaron. Oh. And this one over here is the strawberry. Oh, my macaron. goodness. Pretty lucky. So enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. I will. Macarons are hard to make. Yes. Yeah. They can be definitely hard to make, especially this little um, PA or the feet here. This right. little ruffle that's part of the macaron. So without that little ruffled feet, it essentially cannot be called a macaron. It'll be just an almond cookie. Ah, so it's like... If it if the grapes don't come from the Champagne region, you can't really call it champagne. Is that the same kind of? Thing? Yes. So yeah. the reason why everyone wants to make the perfect macaron is those that little ruffled feet is the hardest thing to make. So oh. once you've succeeded in that, then I guess you're super happy. You make like a happy dance around your kitchen. <laughs> um, your blog is about more than just macarons, so as yes. well. How mm-hmm. has it changed over the years? Um, I've got to say that over the years, it has changed a little bit. A lot initially was um, maybe restaurants that I went to, and I still do some of the restaurants, um, but it really has changed um, with Dan, my husband, and I. Dan, you'll see, we've done a lot of baking and recipe making lately, and also with our friends. Um, We've done some, one of his obsessions was ramen. So we did a lot of making our own ramen, trying out different recipes, and we even had this whole post where I posted on the blog about where we tried out different recipes and we even had a blind tasting with some of our friends. And we also did a croissant bake-off with our friends Leslie and Addie and Cindy. Um, and so we tried out different types of um, croissants from various cookbooks. So the one that I did was actually um, Duchess's croissant right? Yeah, recipe. So I blogged about that and the whole experience about it. So that's kind of how it's changed over time. Yeah. It's different experiences and different projects that we want to make. It's kind of an interesting thing that you guys do as a couple because you're not um, chefs or involved in the food industry in your real life. No, no. no. I'm a speech language pathologist by trade. So yeah, and Dan is a, is a data analyst and a startup guy and stuff. Yeah, so he's a biomedical engineer by trade, and now he owns his own company. Um, Signia Analytics. So how does being able to write about your cooking adventures enhance the experience? Because you could just cook without telling the rest of us about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as you write about it, you kind of go back over the whole experience. 
Um, and even, I think for us, we do a lot of troubleshooting too. And I think that's why the blog posts end up being very long because we're explaining everything that's happening or even the reasons why we're doing something right. specific. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's pasta making or um, even the different ramens that we've been trying out. Yeah. And then lately, we, there's also another one that's coming out, which would be soba noodles, so making your own buckwheat. Oh. Um, so that was a, a, quite an endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> This buckwheat's okay for celiacs, right? Yeah, yeah. So the difference between so the other reason why it became such a huge project is well, Dan was really wanting to make buckwheat or soba noodle completely 100% buckwheat, and that's really difficult. So a lot of the soba that you actually have today is actually has to have flour, a little bit of flour within it, in order for it to. Um, yeah. So it adheres better? Yeah, it adheres better. Otherwise, you can't cut it. It becomes really crumbly. Okay. So in order to adjust for that. Dan is mainly the person behind this. We actually had to try out different recipes and different water content right. levels. Yeah, It's like science. It is like science. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we do a lot of science. Um, cooking is science. Um, so you do a lot of ratios, a lot of different um, temperatures, ratios, different proportions depending on what it is that you're making. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, another thing that you do on your blog um, from time to time is is giveaways and, and trying out recipes using brands that approach you, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So how do you choose who to work with? Um, so I do get a lot of different brands approaching me. Um, some of them are, I find that the ones I do choose are ones that are food-related for sure and ones that I actually believe in. Um, so I guess one of my latest ones was with Costello Cheese. Um, I do love cheese, so that really does help. And it just seemed to be an opportunity that came up um, back in, I think it was the summer, when I first started working with them a little bit. And that's how we kind of increased that um, collaboration. Yeah, so that's kind of how I choose, pick and choose, depending on which ones will actually work with the food that I actually am making at home um, and ones that I think my readers would actually enjoy. Yeah. What have you learned about running contests and giveaways on your blog that other bloggers might benefit from knowing? Well, there's, of course, lots of different um, resources that you can read about. Uh, One of the ones I do read and keep contact with is I'm actually a member of the Food Bloggers of Canada. And so they have lots of different blog posts about running giveaways. And recently when they were doing um, the Food Bloggers of Canada conference in Montreal, they did talk about what we should do and shouldn't do in our giveaways. So one of the different things that you want to look out for is you do want to have fine print or I can't remember the exact word for it right Kind now. of the legal stuff. Yes, the legal type of stuff. So you yeah. do want to have um, a skill testing question. That is kind of important. And also talking about like who it's open to, if it's Canadian-wide. And most of the time, whoever's um, sponsoring the post or sponsoring the giveaway will tell you like what their different requirements are as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And you use a tool often called Rafflecopter, I yes. notice. Does mm-hmm. that make a lot of that stuff easier? Yeah, it does make it a lot easier. Um, I don't have to... You could do it different ways where you just have people leave a comment on your blog, but then how are you going to make it equitable? Like, right. Yeah. And you could choose a number, a random generation or generator number, but yeah. that makes it really difficult. And how can you really declare that it was fair? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So they've kind of solved the problem yeah. of dealing with all mm-hmm. the fairness and and uh, administration of the contest. Mm-hmm. It makes it way easier too. Yeah. Yeah. If food blogging could be your full-time job, would you want it to be? Uh, I I think it would be a great, 
passion to pursue at some point. I'm not sure about right now. I do love my full-time job as a speech-language pathologist. Um, I really do love that. And I think over time, this passion for writing with as a speech-language pathologist, you love writing and communicating. So that's kind of where my sense of writing has come out with the blog. Um, maybe one day, I don't know. Probably not right now. <laughs> <laughs> what about other spin-offs? Have you thought about like a cookbook or a YouTube channel or any of that kind of stuff that others have done? Um, lately, I've actually been looking at Periscope as maybe an option for different like videos that I've been making, especially macaron videos or just different recipes that we might be cooking up in the kitchen. And that might be something that Dan and I could do together. We haven't really looked yeah. into that yet. Yeah. yeah. And you can people can buy macarons from you from Beyond Umami. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, they can. Do they? Uh, some people do, yeah. yeah. As long as it's a direct sale, then that helps. Um, if they know me directly or through the blog, yeah, yeah. it can help. Or, yeah. Well, that might be a Christmas thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> I do ask for a two-week notice, so otherwise I can't. Sometimes I can't do it, so I'll say, no, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to make a batch? Um, so I just had one yesterday that I had to order for two dozen macarons, two dozen Earl Grey macarons. And so I think I started on a Wednesday. Um, the nice thing is I had the Wednesday off, so that helped. Um, I did end up making two batches since I wasn't as comfortable with the first one. But in total, to do one batch of macarons, which is about three dozen around, depending how big they are, yeah. that takes you about three, three to five hours, depending. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yeah. work in love involved. <laughs> yes. Yes. But a lot of it is resting time. So after you pipe all the macarons out, they need to rest. So okay. they need to have a time to just sit on the counter and kind of dry up, I guess you could say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am not a cook or a baker or anything. I'm a warmer upper. But my favorite post of yours was your macarons <laughs> one where you where you kind of went through here's 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 when when macarons go bad or when they go wrong. Yeah, actually that one I wasn't even sure I was, if I was going to do that one at first. But then we took some photos for it and we're like, you know, this actually looks very artistic and very stylistic. And Dan had shot some of the photos for it. So we figured we might as well talk about all the different things that could go wrong because it happens in my kitchen too, right? Even though with Instagram and Twitter, of course, sometimes you want to give the, your best look, right? You kind of want to show people, oh, this is like the beautiful thing that I made. But really in real, real life, things don't work that way and sometimes they come out all crinkly or they're broken or one side rises and the other side doesn't so right. it is upsetting and I just want to show people that are trying to cook macarons in their own home kitchen that that happens and that's okay we just have to keep trying again. That kind of connects to a conversation that's happening around uh, Instagram and other social media right now as well where the, the you choose the best depiction of your life, which is not your whole life, right? And, and, and does it raise other people's expectations or, or make them feel inadequate because everything they cook isn't as beautiful as what you depict? Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? Um, I have thought about that. And it's actually interesting because some of my friends will say, you know, we just got this perfect photo. But really, if you zoom out, the whole kitchen's a mess. There's eggs everywhere or like their two-year-old just ran through the kitchen and there's flour. But yet the product that they just took a picture of looks gorgeous. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's this funny dichotomy of like, well, it looks gorgeous, but really it was chaos everywhere. (laughs) Um, so besides uh, maybe experimenting with Periscope, is there anything else on the horizon for your blog? 
Well, I definitely need to probably up my Pinterest game. Oh, <laughs> that's something that it's in my to-do list. Backing up the blog is obviously very important for any bloggers out there. You definitely want to look into backing up the blog, making sure you don't lose your posts. And I think the other thing that I was looking into is um, lately I've been reading a book called um, Will Write for Food by Diane Jacobs. If people out there are interested in food writing or food blogging, this is actually a great book to start with. And for myself, I kind of want to try out some different um, exercises. It's kind of going back to journalism or writing school. Yeah. Um, where she, her first chapter, she talks about, well, how exactly are you going to write about food? She try to write about it, like showing, not telling, and describing. So if it's chicken, we're not going to just talk about that. It's a piece of chicken on the plate. Like talk about how juicy it is and you know, not too overflowing with words and descriptions and adjectives, um, but really talk about what it is that the reader might be looking at. Right. So, yeah, I kind of want to try some of those different exercises, like maybe even in a blog post, and we'll see how that goes. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Well, I can't mm-hmm. wait to read that. Okay, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to hear about the local blogs that Lillian recommends. Awesome. <laughs> This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Make Something Edmonton, which is offering great ideas for buying local this holiday shopping season. Joining me today is Carrie Belcourt, the maker behind Mother Earth Essentials, which blends Aboriginal knowledge and traditions with the finest ingredients. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. What does Mother Earth Essentials make? We make about 70 different products, uh, ranging from blended teas, utilizing some of the traditional plants of our area and other plants. We do lotions, salves skincare, essential oils, a variety of really wonderful soap, lip balms. Now, how did you get the idea to start this business? I had the idea so long ago, but the timing wasn't right. And I was straight out of high school and knew somewhere in my heart that I was an entrepreneur, but didn't know what that meant yet. So I went into cosmetology school. My grandmother prior to that had always taught me about the traditional plants. So I grew up Knowing the plants and loving that knowledge, it really came forward when I went back to school later in life, became a teacher, and worked at the Aboriginal High School. Upon my first day, saw these beautiful gardens out back where there was sweet grass and and sage and beautiful traditional plants growing, and I knew that my role would be to, to get the students utilizing those plants at school. Where can people find Mother Earth Essentials? So in Edmonton, we have our own little... Depot, And we also have some wonderful retailers in the city, Ticks on the Square, Carbon Environmental Boutique. And then uh, on our website, there's a list of other ones throughout Canada. Visit MotherEarthEssentials.ca to purchase Carrie's products and to see the list of retailers and see Make Something Edmonton's blog to learn even more about Carrie's business. Thank you very much. All right, we're back. So Lillian, what uh, local blogs are you into? Um, so one of the local food bloggers that I really enjoy her food, um, she's actually a um, chef, or she cooks as well, and does a lot of, um, she works for one of the local bakeries here in town, and her name is Lindsay from Edible Woman. I really enjoy her blog. Yeah. Um, and of course, Michelle from Tiffin Box. Yes. Our local celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the times now, she's focusing a lot on like the Indian street food and the different food from that she enjoys growing up. And so that's really great to hear the stories behind that. Yeah. Um, and of course, around the city, um, Andrea from Little Miss Andrea and Cindy from Let's All Mom. And honestly, there's actually a food, uh, it's food blog related and sort of just more artistic uh, related. And my friend uh, Stephanie 
from All About Emmy. Have you heard of her blog at all? I don't think so. Oh, okay, so her blog is amazing. So if you're ever into crocheting or knitting, mostly the crochet side, she oh. makes all these cute amiguri creatures and figures, and they're just gorgeous. Oh, or um, scarves, or even one that this is one of her patterns actually. Oh, Those, nice! It's the, this beautiful mm-hmm, the, um, sort of infinity scarf. That's, yeah. Dark blue, lovely. Yeah, so she has lots of different things that she blogs about too, and she's based here in Edmonton. Oh, good. Well, that's a good discovery. I will add that to my list yeah. to look at. All of those people that you mentioned, are they're just passionate, and it comes through in their writing, and it's so enjoyable to, to read, I find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you're really loving what you write about or what you are interested in, that passion comes through in your writing. Yeah. Whether it's a story or even if you're talking about your experience behind it. So what other advice, because that's pretty good advice for someone who wanted to start blogging about food or anything that they're passionate about. Is there any other advice that you think people should follow? I think you follow your heart. Um, That's ultimately what I think in terms of blogging. I think sometimes I do get caught in the moment of, well, is anyone reading what I write? But really, I think you have to follow your heart and think about why you're starting the blog or starting food writing to begin with. Is it to share a recipe with friends or a recipe with family? Or is it because it's a recipe that you make time and time again and everyone wants a recipe? And it really is your recipe and not something that you made from somebody else. Um, And I think that's kind of where I would suggest, like really follow your heart and blog about what you believe in and what you like. Um, Even if you're working with brands, right? You definitely want to do that. Or if it's a restaurant that you're going to. Um, As food bloggers, we do get invited to so many different events. You do want to pick and choose like which ones you want to go to like even though it's very flattering to be invited to many you want to go to ones that you actually go to again yeah yeah is that your criteria it's like well would I go there realistically Mm -hmm. so most of the time it might be ones that I go to usually so with Sabor like I love Sabor I go there usually so when they invite us to things of course we want to go and show us show their our support to them Mm -hmm. and we always bring our friends and family again to the restaurant right Mm mm-hmm do you, when you get to go to, say, a restaurant opening that's for something that you didn't know if you liked it or not, do you feel pressure to say nice things about them when they gave you a free meal? Well, I guess it depends on the restaurant. Um, personally, if it really wasn't that great, then I might mention it that, you know, even though the service was really great, the food probably needs a little bit more work, yeah. um, maybe a little bit more time. And honestly, a lot of the times when it's their opening day, it's kind of hard for them to get all their kinks out too, right? So you kind of have to go again to really see what the food is really like in real life. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I don't know. I think in terms of food blogging, I think I started about five years ago um, with um, Sharon. Actually, Sharon actually encouraged me. Sharon Yo? Yeah, she encouraged me to start. Um, It was a long time ago when they had the Twitter meetup. Dan actually invited me to this Twitter meetup with Sharon and a bunch of other food bloggers. And I reflect back on like when I first started and the food scene in Edmonton five years ago till now, and it's changed drastically if you think about it. Um, so many different food options in the city. We even have ramen now yeah. in Edmonton where yeah. we didn't have it five years ago. Um, there's lots of focus on local food, uh, which is really important. And I think it's so good to see all the farmers involved as well and all the chefs being really interested in the different farmers. Yeah, it feels like there's a scene and that the bloggers are part of the media that covers that scene and encourages it to keep going. Yeah, most definitely. Because yeah. otherwise I feel that that way other people can see like, what's happening um, versus just the media saying that 
these things are opening, right? Yeah. So that yeah. helps too. Yeah. All right. Well, shout out to Sharon Yo for giving you your start and encouraging you to, to begin. And she also has a, re- a great blog for, mm-hmm. a resource for us. She everybody. does. Lots yeah. of different things around the city that's happening that's food related. Yeah. So I definitely keep track of that. So that is like a blog that I also follow. Yes. <laughs> well, I forgot to mention her. <laughs> She's highly mentioned. She's got the place of honor. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me today. No problem. Visit Lillian's blog at beyondumami.com. That's beyondumami.com. That is the fifth taste, right? Yes, it is. (laughs) That is one that everyone asks me about. What exactly is umami? (laughs) (laughs) Because macarons are not umami tasting, right? No, but then if you think about the flavors that you could put in it, um, Pierre Hermé actually has this beautiful flavor of like foie gras, like fig. And that is one that I would like to try one day. I do have his cookbook, so maybe that is one that you'll see on my Instagram feed one day. Excellent. Watch for that. Um, On Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook, Lillian is Beyond Umami. And all those links and her recommendations will be in the show notes at seenandherdyegg.com. And if you subscribe to my newsletter at seenandherdyegg.com, you'll get complete coverage of Edmonton's blogs and podcasts and updates on our monthly podcasting meetups and links to our Make Something Edmonton vendor. I'll be back in a week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.